a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 3rd of February. And we start with breaking news this morning. Almost 60 homes have been destroyed as a massive blaze continues to burn east of Perth. Residents have been forced to evacuate with fears more properties could be lost. A large air tanker from New South Wales landed in WA overnight to help authorities try and contain the major bushfire, which has sparked health warnings with smoke haze affecting many areas. It comes as parts of WA enter day three of a five-day hard lockdown, but Police Commissioner Chris Dawson says the COVID rules do not apply when residents are being advised to flee their homes. If you are under threat, leave your property and go to suitable premises. Don't stay in that property if you think you have to obey the COVID rules. You must leave the property if you're under threat and go to suitable premises and keep us informed. Meantime, WA authorities have revealed a hotel security guard may have caught the UK COVID strain after delivering medication to a return traveller in hotel quarantine on the 24th of January. Investigations are continuing. In more breaking news this morning, this time out of the UK, tributes are flowing for Captain Sir Thomas More, who has died from COVID-19. The World War II veteran who captured hearts right around the world for his fundraising efforts during the COVID pandemic was admitted to hospital last week before testing positive for coronavirus. The 100-year-old's extraordinary fundraising efforts inspired the world after he helped raise an extraordinary $60 million for the National Health Service by walking 100 laps around his garden in England. The Queen and British Prime Minister have led the many tributes, with Boris Johnson saying the much-loved hero was not just a national inspiration, but a beacon of hope for the whole world. Captain Sir Tom Moore was a hero in the truest sense of the word. In the dark days of the Second World War, he fought for freedom, and in the face of this country's deepest post-war crisis, he united us all. Still in the UK, and health authorities are concerned about a dangerous new variant of COVID-19. The new findings from data of around 200,000 sequences show the virus has again mutated and it's feared it could be more resistant to the current generations of vaccines and may reinfect people who already had the virus. Here's UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock. There's currently no evidence to suggest this variant is any more severe but we need to come down on it hard, and we will. We've already made sure that all these cases are isolating and that we've done enhanced contact tracing of all of their close contacts. And in more breaking news this morning, the US and UK are calling for the immediate release of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny after he was sentenced to more than three years jail this morning. Mr Navalny was arrested last month after arriving back in Russia on charges that he violated terms of his probation over a money laundering conviction, which was later ruled unlawful. He argued it was impossible to meet the terms as he was in Germany after being poisoned by a nerve agent. His arrest has sparked weeks of anti-government protests. Here is correspondent Jury Rochetto speaking about the sentence on UK TV this morning. 
Navalny and other Kremlin critics see the verdict as a bid to silence the Kremlin opponent. Uh, during the hearing, Navalny gave a fiery speech in court in which he sharply attacked the Kremlin and the Russian justice. He blamed the, ch uh, the, the charges against him on Russian President Vladimir Putin. This is uh, how it works. Uh, they imprison one man, he said, as, a, as, a, as it means to intimidate millions of people. And the South African cricket tour is off, with Cricket Australia saying it had no choice but to postpone the event. In a statement, it says due to the public health situation, travelling overseas at this stage poses an unacceptable risk to players and staff. And we'll have more details on this story coming up shortly in Sports News. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Wednesday morning. And firstly, to New South Wales, with new research showing the pandemic has forced many residents to flee Sydney for a tree or sea change. Here's our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, with the details from Sydney. Yeah, Tash, maybe it's the traffic or it could be the house prices, but it seems Sydney is losing some of its appeal. There's been a mass exodus during the pandemic with thousands seeking out a tree change. ABS data has revealed close to 8,000 people left Greater Sydney during the September quarter, Sydney losing the most of any capital city. Majority of those who've left have gone to regional New South Wales. It's believed to be the working from home trend that's responsible. It comes with health authorities worried that people are ignoring their COVID-like symptoms, with testing rates plummeting in recent days. We've gone 16 days without a locally acquired case, but testing figures have dropped to around 6,000 a day, the lowest since Christmas. Northern Beaches residents are still staying vigilant after the Avalon cluster, though, recording the highest testing numbers in Sydney, with more than 700 carried out over the weekend. To Queensland now and widespread storms are set to continue with severe conditions likely in the state's central west and northwest. It comes after Greater Brisbane copped a solid drenching and our Brisbane reporter Amy Drew has more. Yes, well the heavy rainfall was short but intense causing flash flooding and commuter chaos. The highest rainfall readings were recorded at Brabi Island with just over 60 mils of rain falling in an hour. Kippering and Eagle Farm also recording around 50 mils. The deluge submerged roads across Brisbane's north side, one car being flipped in Strathpine. Meteorologists say the weather system was caused by a convergent band where two air masses collided above the area. Further showers and the chance of storms is on the cards for today. The rain expected to persist until at least Friday before easing over the weekend. And staying in Queensland, today marks 10 years since tropical cyclone Yasi crossed its coast. Our reporter Matt Layton has more. Tash, can you believe it's been a decade? In the early hours of the 3rd of February 2011, hundreds of thousands of Queenslanders were bracing for the worst. Wayne Preedy worked on the frontline emergency response from Townsville. He says they were expecting something similar to the notorious Hurricane Katrina. Something I, I hope to never experience again. It was just one thing after another. The city avoided a direct hit as the system's track changed towards Mission Beach. Yazi lasted another four days and racked up a damage bill of more than $3.5 billion. Incredibly, just one death was recorded. Mr Preedy says while it was a horrible experience, it brought out the best in Queenslanders. People off the street getting out, in their communities, clearing away debris, helping out their neighbours. He's hoping the scenes of destruction and nearly $15 a kilo banana prices remain a distant memory. 
Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we are joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Good morning, Effie. Now, as we know, the Reserve Bank met yesterday and kept interest rates at their record lows. Considering how much heat, though, is in the real estate market at the moment, can we expect rates to stay this low? Look, they made it loud and clear yesterday that they don't expect the cash rate to move again to 2024 at the earliest. Interest rates between lenders are going to move, of course, but as far as the cash rate moving? Absolutely not. And the big concern here is reading between the lines is that obviously they don't believe that wage growth and inflation is going to move anywhere soon for over the next couple of years. And that's not good for wealth in general. And in addition to that, you've got a central bank that's just printing more money, $100 billion of quantitative easing. And then you've got the Prime Minister on Monday that basically said, no, nope, going to tighten the purse strings. Uh, you know, this is a, a, not a blank check budget. So very two different policies here. And I guess the RBA had no choice but to keep rates at record low if the government is closing its purse strings. And the big concern, and I agree with you, is that you know this monetary policy hasn't really worked for us to spend, but boy, has it got us to get into debt. And you can only just see what's happening in the property market and the number of people jumping in there, whether they're first-home buyers or existing. So for me, when the upswing happens, it's a case of are homeowners prepared? Rates are as low as they go. Should you lock in? And what's the approach you take? So should people lock in rates at the moment? Oh, that's a dangerous loaded question there. I mean, the thing is, like I said, the, the rates, fixed rates will move before variable rates and this could happen quite fast. So it could make sense to lock in now because you're not paying a premium. When you look at the, the cheapest out there is about 1.75. Most people paying a package rate is 3.6. So there's no premium to get that peace of mind. My tip is if you are going to refinance to get one of these great fixed rate deals, don't extend your term. Take care if you've got money in redraw, your redraw facility. You need to work out what are you going to do with that. You're going to pull it or you're going to knock it off the mortgage and also do a break-even analysis. And what I mean by that is add up all the costs it takes to move, divide by what you're going to save per month in repayments. If it's going to take you, say, 12 months, then look, there's no guarantee that by the time you pay off the costs to move, are you still with the cheapest home loan? So, you know, just take care and look at the figures before you jump into anything. Devil. But be prepared. Yeah, rates will go up. Devil is always in the detail. Also talking about the housing market, some interesting new information about an increase in the number of spots that may be of interest to first home buyers. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so this just came in and it is good news, I guess, for first-home buyers who may want to jump into the property ladder now but don't have that full deposit. And talk about a heated market. I know people are wanting that. I don't have a full deposit and I want to jump in. Whether that's right or wrong is another story. But look, a further 1,800 spots, Tasha, will come out uh, be released under the first-home loan deposit scheme over the next couple of days. Now, for those people who don't know what that is, it allows first-home buyers with deposits as low as 5% to get into the home loan market without paying lenders' mortgage insurance fees. Essentially, the the government's going to pick that up. Now, the 10,000 spots for new and existing homes were released at the beginning of the financial year, but they were pretty much taken, snapped up. So what the government is doing is they're reissuing actually unused guarantees from the previous financial year from those buyers who were unable to complete their purchase. So that's where they're getting that extra 1800 I'm told they're going to be snapped up pretty fast. So it's kind of first in, first rest. Um, and they're coming out and they're going to be released over the next 
couple of days. Um, but of course, there are some conditions to this loan, like price caps of the property you're buying and uh, income uh, eligibility as well. And if you're looking for discounted areas, I just got my hands on some CoreLogic data also yesterday that showed where property has fallen the greatest. So you might be able to, to pick up some bargain buys here. In Melbourne, for example, it's Carlton North and Canterbury. They topped the two lists. They fell by about 14.3% and 13.8% uh, since March. And in Sydney, it was St. Leonard's, uh, a drop of 10.2 and Epping at 9.7. That's a good tip. Thanks so much, Effie. Much appreciated. Time to check sport now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, as we reported earlier this morning, the South African cricket tour has been called off. But considering the seriousness of the COVID situation overseas, why was this tour even on the table? Yeah, that's a, a really good question, Tash. I guess these things are locked in, uh, you know, years in advance. And obviously there's a financial aspect to it as well. In terms of what was on the line uh, in playing, there's a World Test Championship that Australia now probably won't make. We really need to beat South Africa over there to make the World uh, Test Championship final. Of course, we lost to India as well. So that was going to make it uh, very difficult. As you said, that tour has now been postponed just three weeks before the squad was due to depart. It had been up in the air for a while, but as you said, they've finally made the call. Uh, Cricket Australia interim chief Nick Hockley has been a busy man lately with all of this. He says due to the second wave and that new strain of the virus, it is an unacceptable health risk. Of course, there were some issues with uh, whether they would be vaccinated before they left. The Players Association didn't want to feel like the players were jumping the queue. So probably no surprise that this tour isn't going ahead given all the dramas that were uh, around the build-up to it. I think it's a good call. Also, the fallout continues with Collingwood and Eddie Maguire has apologised now. Yeah, he's back again. He has apologised. That's right, Tasha. And that's for describing it as a proud day for Collingwood when he, on Monday, discussed that report that found systemic racism does exist at the club. The Pies president has told the club's AGM overnight he didn't mean it that way. I did not mean we were proud of past incidents of racism and the hurt that it caused. I am not. It's been interpreted widely that way. And I regret that deeply. Now, the man who sparked that report, 2010 Premiership player Haritia Lumumba, has also spoken overnight. He's told 7.30 he can't see much changing at the club despite it promising to adopt all 18 recommendations from that report. I don't place any faith. You know, my faith for the Collingwood Football Club in the current regime that it has uh, is non-existent. I don't feel like this is over, Tash. No. Is he ready? That's the big question. Israel Falau. <laughs> Lots of talk. He's ready for an NRL comeback. And I've read some reports there could be a gag order with the deal as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, some reports this morning, he has actually indicated to St. George Illawarra, that's the team he wants to sign with, reportedly a two-year deal worth about a million bucks, that he would uh, refrain from expressing his religious beliefs on social media. Of course, that got him into a lot of trouble with Rugby Australia when he was playing Union with the Waratahs and the Wallabies. Contract torn up there, went overseas to France where he is right now, still playing uh, Rugby Union, the 15-man code. He's got a year to uh, go on that deal, so obviously that took his club over in France by surprise um, that he is talking to St. George Illawarra. There's still a bit to go here because although there were some, some suggestions that he's already applied to play in the NRL, the NRL is saying that is not the case. Now, if he does submit a formal application, which we do expect will happen, NRL Chief Andrew Abdo won't confirm whether that will be successful. That's a complex question to answer and everyone will have an opinion on it. What we intend to do is follow the process as it's outlined in our rules and regulations and be very fair and transparent in that due process.
He's 31, considering all the, of the circus that comes with Israel Folau, you wonder what the upside is for St George Illawarra, but they want him in the team and for round one as well. Interesting to see how that plays out, Brett. Also making news today, what's the latest with the tennis? Not long to go now before the Aussie Open. Yeah, that's right. Ash Barty played an exhibition event uh, last week. Last night, though, her first competitive match in an official uh, tournament for almost 12 months. She was, uh, well, breezed past Anna Bogdan in straight sets from Romania. She's through to the third round, had a bye in the first round due to her world number one ranking. Nick Kyrgios, bit of a scare for him, complained of... uh, uh, a knee injury in his uh, his match at the Murray River Open, but he is also through to the second round. The ATP Cup side, though, they didn't have to face Rafael Nadal, but they still lost to Spain uh, three rubbers to love. So not a great start for Alex Diminor and John Millman in that event. Brett, thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details now around the country for this Wednesday morning. And as we mentioned earlier, the showers are set to continue for Brisbane today, a top of 29. Possible shower on the way for Sydney, 25. 25 degrees also on the way for Melbourne and Canberra today. Partly cloudy and 20 for Hobart, sunny and 28 for Adelaide. Morning haze from those bushfires in Perth today, 34 the expected top. And possible storms on the way for Darwin with a top of 31. And four fans have been kicked out of a Lakers game in Atlanta after a confrontation involving LeBron James and a woman dubbed Courtside Karen. She was seen yelling at the basketball superstar with her mask pulled down. The 25-year-old alleges LeBron was arguing with her husband and then turned on her. The commentators saying it was very dramatic. And now the uh, security is getting involved. I mean, the referees are actually telling the security they may want to Usher somebody yeah. uh, to the, out, out of the building. Somebody was all over LeBron. And they're still on LeBron. I think that's what yeah, it is. A few minutes ago, and I know he was glaring into the seats. The female spectator later let loose on Instagram attacking LeBron. LeBron also talked to social media after the game, saying, quote, courtside Karen was mad, mad. Wonder if she called the manager. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6:30 a.m. every weekday morning. Please rate and review, and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.